cartoon dog I kept on Loving the KPM soundtracks he crept on Loving the daily bugle build and he stepped on Loving the wit and wet fluid as a weapon J. Jonah Jameson, Green Goblin The Vulture, that's my culture Yeah, Reaganomics I was hooked on Marvel Silver Age comics Trying to tell him y'all They was jealous y'all Now I gotta sell them all Cause my bag's hella small I'm mad But I need the paper and I need it kinda bad Off they go, bring me the dough So hard to say goodbye to my hero Spider-Man, Spider-Man Does whatever a spider can Spins a web, any size Can't you see, just like flies Look out, look out, look out, look out Not a bad word. At my yard sale, that goes, that stays. Sold my X-Men dog to Matt Ray's. 97, 98, 99. 101, 102, yeah, I missed a few. I don't care, I got them saved in the back. Episode 143 for July 2011. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have discounts that start at 38th and they go up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trades. An example on this episode is on Avengers number 16.1. This one features the return of Norman Osborn and evidently also features the return of the Dark Avengers. As if that wasn't enough, Legendary penciler Neil Adams is also doing artwork on the issue. The cover price is $2.99. Mail order has it for just a buck eighty-five, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Welcome back, gang, to our second show for July. We'll start this one off with reading some iTunes reviews. Okay, let's start off with uh, some iTunes reviews. Thank you to everybody that wrote in. We only have two this month, and they're both positive, so I thank you for that. The first one is from Rocker70. Uh, Aspman, Asp let me put that P in there, Aspman, loves Spider-Man, five out of five stars. Been listening to the podcast since 2007. I've never missed an episode and brightens my day to work. Brad's a pro and the spider panel keeps it real. Hope to be listening for many years to come. Cheers from a 50-year-old old fart. <laughs> I think he was just clinking his uh, glass of Metamucil with JR. There you go. JR, we got a 50-year-old listening. Isn't that awesome? JR <laughs> has passed away. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> JR, are you there? Oh, yes, yes, I'm here. I was, uh, I was, uh, uh, I think I've run out, I think I've run the gamut of the pulling a Bailey joke, so I'll just say I forgot to mute, I forgot to unmute my microphone. Okay. <laughs> Besides, Wait, I think these days pulling a Bailey is getting laid during or after a podcast. Yeah, yeah that's what I say is, his wife is distracting him on a regular basis. So, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Rachel Bailey recommends uh, Michael Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> and vice she versa. She gives it five out of five stars on iTunes. And, uh, just <laughs> anyway, Rocker70, thank you very much for writing in. We appreciate it. Uh, Rick Lee James uh, wrote in with subject titled, Best Comic Book Podcast, five out of five stars. Brad Douglas hosts what has become the most interesting comic book podcast on the web. He is interacting with the panel while moderating is both professional and entertaining. This, they, the panel tells it like it is, giving great but not always positive reviews, thoughtful, funny, and always highly anticipated. So thank you, Mr. Rick. Appreciate that. Uh, if you have iTunes, please go there and search Spider-Man and the crawl space is at the very top. So click on that and add your own review and I will read it on the air. So thank you very much, guys. All right. We're moving on to this month in Spider history. 
We're going back to 1987 in July. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 290 came out. This one on the cover has a white cover with a black costume Spider-Man with the words, Peter, pa- P- Peter Parker asked the big question, and he's embracing Mary Jane. And we all know what that one was, don't we, JR? Absolutely, we all know what that was. You marry me. Will you move in with me? <laughs> will, you be well, my- will you join me in a? <laughs> will you join me in a committed relationship? So. Thank you for telling. Oh. What was what was this one like, Jr. Mayor Ed Koch guest stars, by the way. I, I'm sorry. What'd you say? Mayor Ed Koch guest. Oh, stars. that's right. That's right. He does, doesn't he? That's right. Oh, you know, it is. It is. It's hard to believe that uh, we're almost. This this issue came out almost 25 years ago. Um, I definitely remember when I picked it up. I picked it up in, when I was uh, visiting my friend James Broderick in Cincinnati. James Broderick, of course, is the pers- the writer who Ben Bella Books thought they were really soliciting for the Web Slinger book, but that's another story. And it's hard to believe that both he and I are now old farts, uh, each with two kids. But anyway, um, this was the end of the Hobgoblin story arc where we found out last month that Ned Leeds was the hobgoblin oh my uh and um spider-man is thinking you know is going through a certain life crisis now he's thinking man things have started to look up for me so why aren't i happy and fulfilled and so he's walking around thinking that something's missing a subplot revolves around aunt may accidentally donating his old microscope uh yes the one that she and ben gave him back in amazing fantasy 15 to a church charity auction the only problem is, obviously, David McElhenney, who wrote the book, and, both, and Peter both forgot that in issue number 181, mm-hmm. Peter left the microscope on Uncle Ben's grave to be claimed by a caretaker for his own son. Oh, well, who lets a little thing like continuity get in the way of a story? <laughs> anyway, um, Mary Jane helps Peter think through a problem, and he comes to the census-shattering conclusion that was staring at him in the face for the whole time that what's missing in his life is her. Yeah. And, of course, so the uh, the uh, story, the uh, issue ends with uh, Mary Jane actually getting ready to pack for Pittsburgh because, as we'll find out next month, uh, she's gotten the news that her, her, old, her criminal old man is out of jail. And, uh, oh, no, no, he's not in jail yet. He's, uh, he's actually... Had his had her sister pull a crime, which has resulted in her being in jail, mm-hmm. uh, and she has to go help. But but neither we nor Peter know that yet. And as uh, she's packing, Peter spins her around and asks her, "Will you marry me?" Refresh and, me on two ninety one. Is this the one where she says no, or does she say yes? No, she does say no originally. She uh, says, in two ninety one. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She says no originally. Runs off to Pittsburgh, right. uh, of all places to go to. Um, I guess and. Um, then Peter decides to follow her, which, and, and coincidentally, uh, Alistair Smythe happens to follow him yep. uh, to Pittsburgh, uh, and they all battle Mario Lemieux, I think, in some kind of uh, spine-tingling <laughs> story. Um, but anyway, at the end of 292, then Mary Jane agrees to marry Peter. Peter. Um, I guess the thing is, I mean, the story's fine. You know, the story's fine. Uh, and I guess the thing I want to address about this is, 
all during the time of the uh, the whole one more day, the marriage thing, the deal with Mephisto, and and Joe Casada and New Marvel are all saying, well, you know, the uh, the ma- the wedding and stuff was just a publicity stunt by that evil giant Jim Shooter uh, who wanted to help Stanley promote the comic strip, blah blah blah, and it was such a big, uh, it was such a, it was just an ad campaign and a rush job. Well, that's a lot of that's just horse shit. Uh, <laughs> I was a remarkable Sam the Eagle impression but <laughs> yeah, awesome. and, and tune in next week and I'll do Fozzie Bear or maybe I'll do the old farts in the booth like some uh, uh, <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> that was good that was good uh, but uh, the wedding itself yes I mean from the proposal to 290 to the acceptance in 292 to the wedding in the annual the wedding itself yes kind of moved along real quickly and yes, of course, Marvel, uh, like they have always done, decided to you know be a bunch of adver- marketing whores and make the, bo- the the biggest deal out of it they possibly could. However, the proposal itself and what led up to the proposal was hardly a rush job. Yeah. I mean, for one, and and this ties in with the story actually we're going to talk about in a minute about spectacular spectacular Spider-Man story arc. Peter Parker, after being dumped on by the Black Cat again, finally came to the conclusion that his best friend in the world. Who has always, you know, who who his best friend was, you know, and that the woman he's been looking for his entire life has been right there beside him all the time, the person mm-hmm. that he trusts the most with with everything, with his greatest secrets. So he asked her to marry him. I mean, the revelation kind of occurs to him quickly, but the buildup has always been there. I mean, for like the last few years, ever since Mary Jane found out, she has always been there by his side to either cover for him or or help him out in some way. Or I think she helped him, you know, like repaint his apartment, you know, during one supervillain incursion. But she's always been there to talk to him, to listen to him, and to provide a shoulder to cry on, essentially. And then it all of a sudden occurs to him, this is what I've been looking for my entire life. And for those of you, I mean, I know that there's only three of us old married guys here in the podcast, uh, but I, I, and I can't speak for any of you, but when you guys decided to propose to your one and only, and again, I'm presuming a lot because I assume that maybe your lives are more passionate and less dysfunctional than mine, but it wasn't during the passionate throes of sex that you said, God, I want to marry this person. It was probably during some relatively mundane event where you realized, Boy, I really like this person, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I want to spend more time with her. I want to spend maybe the rest of my life with her. Twenty years later, it's another story. But back then, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and so and that's what this is here. You know, it yeah. just like and, and and the story works. The proposal works, you know, and so I'm. You know, and if so, I'm sorry, you know, Joe Casada, Tom Brevoort, any of you who want to go back and, and say it was all conspiracy by Jim Shooter just to jack up sales of something, you know, I'm not listening. Go take a hike. Go, go and, complain and about when, something. When you read this one, J.R., don't you miss the Mary Jane character in the books? Absolutely. Oh, I, Absolutely. I mean, it's just such a loss, in my opinion, that she's not in there every issue. Well, I, I, I would almost disagree with that. To the to the extent that the story is about the amazing Spider-Man, you know, it's not about oh, the amazing yeah. married the amazing married couple. I'll give you and, that. But she's been on every issue for decades. Well, it, it, the, 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 it misses her in in my perspective because she keeps Spider-Man from being a whiny loser. Mm-hmm. You know, when he has another adult that he can talk to. 
you know. I mean, because right now, I mean, he's been the stupid ever since one more day. Actually, before one more day, because the way he acted in Civil War was just disgusting, uh, and it was completely off uh, out of character. Uh, but basically, as Kevin, I believe it was Kevin that coined the, the creepy, stupid loser thing, and that's what he's been for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. And, uh, you know, Mary, Mary Jane served a function in the stories. I mean, uh, and, and, and the, 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 uh, the, the, and without really reigniting the, the whole debate, which we don't have the time for right now. Yeah, the, the, the series really does miss her. It misses this Mary Jane. It misses this mature relationship. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, why, why, why Marvel thinks that you know, you know, sleeping with sleeping in stolen hotel rooms with your mask on and being slugged by psychopathic Hispanics, you know, is <laughs> you know is is fun or interesting. I have no idea. Yeah, that one was called the uh, the big question. It was written by David Michelinie and art by John Romita Jr. Also. <laughs> That came out uh, this month, as JR alluded to, was Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man number 128. Uh, this one's called Spider Hunt, which I think we've already had one of those in the 90s. Uh, it's called Silver Sable Launches a Spider Hunt. Also, plus the Black Cat has a new costume and a cameo by Daredevil. That Black co- Cat costume is horrible. <laughs> this <laughs> Not one's, as bad uh, as the one she wore during Claws, though, I think. Oh, yeah. uh, this one's written by Peter David, uh, art by Alan Cup. Kupperberg. Refresh me what happens here, JR. Well, this is a little hard to explain. I'll have to go through it real quickly here yeah. because it's it's kind of in the middle of one story arc, getting ready to set up another one. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, what's happened is um, Spider-Man is being framed for the murder of a fifth-rate supervillain called The Blaze, who we saw actually a couple of years earlier. Um, and also, what's going on is, um, as a result of um, being framed for this murder, Jonah hires Silver, Silver Sable to go after Spider-Man. There's a brief appearance by Stan Carter, actually, formerly the Sin Eater, uh, which actually sets up a story arc to come in, in a few months. And, and the notable thing here about Carter is that he's just a, a wisp, a physical, a frail wisp of the person he once was, yeah. uh, because as Peter David mentioned in an interview, he wanted to bring Carter back later and show people what it would true what what being beaten by a superpowered person would really do to a human being, and that's kind of what's happened with mm-hmm. Carter here. Um, let's see here, um, and Peter five the black cat is back living with Peter Parker because someone torched her apartment. Um, and I forget who did it. They throw out a few names, and I forget exactly how all these stories wound up playing out. But at the end, Peter realize, Peter come, uh, walks in on the black cat talking to the foreigner and realizing that the yeah. foreigner and the black cat was the ones that set him up for the murder of Blaze. Uh, and, of course, it's all to be continued. Um, what's interesting, another thing interesting here, in a scene that is sure to send our friend Bertoni into another fit of writing, Bertoni hates <laughs> Betty, uh, Flash calls Betty, and Betty is... Uh, telling him that she's busy cleaning the house for when Ned gets back. Of course, previous month we realized that Ned was dead. So, you know, that's a, so, so Bertoni, if you haven't touched on that one, there's there's an article. There's a, In fact, the, the guy, the dude's probably already got this uh, already probably outlined, ready to go. Right. Um, there is a kind of another funny moment where uh, Spider-Man ponders change. He ought to change his name, and then when Silver Sable's troops come after him, he says, "Wait a minute, I'm not Spider-Man. I'm his cousin Bugman." But I'll go get cousin Spidey for you. Uh, you is know, there any reference to the proposal in this one? Good. No, no, not at no. all. Um, okay. 
This story, but it does kind of play into it. Actually, this story doesn't end for like another issue or two. Because at the end, the black cat runs out on him again, yeah. and that's when Mary Jane and Mary Jane like says something you know profound to him. She walks out the door, and then Peter says, "What the hell am I doing?" You know, he's feeling sorry for himself because the black cat dumped on him, and then it's like, "Why does he want that skank?" You know, he's you know he he's is the woman he needs is just walk right out the door. So the proposal actually happens after. This particular story wraps up, but because of timing, it doesn't wrap up for another month or two. So the proposal's not mentioned. So basically, wasn't it around issue 100 of uh, Spec that he broke up with the black cat, and she was just kind of in the background for the last uh, 20 or so? Yeah, issues, in, yeah. In, in issue 100, uh, they broke up formally. Um, she disappeared for a while, but then she kind of she kind of came back uh, as a result of. Uh, you know, as a result of these machinations with the foreigner going on and, and, and other things. But uh, I, I'm not uh, – it's been a while since I've read a lot of those, you know, issues after the death of Gene DeWolf up to the time Peter David left. So. And if I, if memory serves right, after she leaves here, I don't think she comes back until, like, the Eric Larson Amazing Run in the 90s. She, yeah, she states like Flash. Yeah, I think – she was like one. I think she makes like a one-panel appearance during the uh, McFarlane run, but yeah, it's not until it's not until Eric Larson comes because it. Uh, oh, that's right. The, right. the, the uh, Venom. Uh, she. Uh, she uh, oh she, yeah. She, yeah. Venom gives her a. a Venom beats a her up. Yeah, yeah. Slams yeah. her. Slams her face against the wall. It's like Amazing Three Sixteen or something like that. Yeah, yeah and then. Um, it's after the uh, the Cosmic Powers storyline when she shows up. Because okay. in the Cosmic Powers trade that I got, they have like this big splash page that takes up three quarters of the page. But actually, that wasn't the original ending of the story. That was actually the panel of Flash and Felicia getting together. Mm, okay. And also came out this month is uh, Web of Spider-Man number 28 called Torch Bearing. This one's written by Artist. Bob Layton, who isn't doing art. Uh, Steve Geiger is doing art on this one. This one, I don't remember anything about it. feels like a, a, fill in, a basic web of Spider-Man issue, kind of a fill-in. Exactly. This, yeah. the, you, you nailed it correctly. It was a fill-in issue in a series, which was largely fill-in issues. Yeah. Uh, what web happened to Spider-Man? <laughs> well, this is one that... Uh, I. I, you can't, I can't recommend you go out and, and run out and try to find this in the back issue, Ben. Uh, basically, what happened is uh, Spider-Man is re- re- recounting his story to Mary Jane. Uh, again, no reference to the proposal, uh, probably because it was a fill-in story sitting around collecting dust until they got around to printing it. <laughs> um, basically, Spider-Man hid his um, civilian clothes, his ID, and a web shooter in the torch of the Statue of Liberty. Well, it was around this time in the 80s that the Statue of Liberty was was being refurbished, so they took the torch the the torch off uh, to uh, to work on it. And of course, he's saying, "Oh my God, I left this crap in there. Anybody finds it will, you know, know that I'm Spider-Man." So we have this comedy airs where he thinks that it's out. The torch is actually out in California, so he goes out to California on a job for the Bugle, and it turns out that this group of rather incompetent elitist terrorists uh, <laughs> who who want to uh, bring attention to the uh, plight of the avocado California avocado growers wants to steal the torch to for ransom to to bring attention to the uh, avocado growers, but as it turns out. The lead incompetent elitist terrorist is actually not interested in the plight of the avocado growers. Uh, 
but once to, but because of his personal financial situation, which isn't too disparate for mine at this point in time, wants to sell it to an eccentric French businessman. Wow. Uh, and for seven million dollars, but um, you know, anyway, Spider-Man comes wow. in. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man comes in, saves the day, finds out that that's actually a fake torch, that the real torch is still back in New York. <laughs> what a what a crazy mix-up. And, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, Spider-Man, you know, sneaks in, gets his britches, uh, and everything is right with the world. I forgot to mention that he gets a real nasty sunburn in the California sun because he falls asleep yeah. uh, on the beach. Uh, and but but you know, yes, this story is dumb. But when you read it, it obviously it obviously isn't meant to be taken that seriously. It was obviously written tongue pretty firmly and planted in cheek. Well, you know, were they playing off like, of current events? Was there really an avocado? I don't know. I, I don't know. I think the only current what event it played off. Strange. Strange. Yeah, I think. You know, well, it was it was supposed to be silly. The only current right. event it played off of, I think, was was the uh, the rehabbing of the the Statue of Liberty, um, and I, I think it was just. I mean, I think it was deliberately silly. I mean, I, I don't think the writer intended for you to take any of it seriously. Um, you know, it was just one of those. Hey, Bob. You know, you, you know, you want to write a Spider-Man story for another few hundred bucks? Oh, sure. You know, mm-hmm. for shits and grains, let me do it. You know, and it is a web of Spider-Man, so you know, only about five people read it anyway. So, um, you know, Bob Bob Layton did, was... did a beautiful looking cover though. He, it is a nice cover. Yeah. yeah. The uh, that was I think during the shooter era, so he had like mass. You know, basic stories just laying around to fill in, so that way the trains would run on time. Because during that era, it was uh, before that before Shooter got on there, it was usually a lot of late books. Yeah. Uh, one thing I always uh, I was going to say about uh, 291. <laughs> Did you just get a question right, Zach? What was that? I, no, I, I think that's the sign that we're done. <laughs> no, I, I think somebody answered wrong in the lie detector test, and they got stuck. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, is your air conditioner on now? What happened? Right now, no. Okay. <laughs> I think that was Stella's phone going off. What was that? It's it dryer. I'm just oh. doing some last-minute laundry. Okay. Oh. You know, it is funny that you bring up uh, the shooter thing because I actually forgot the in my recommendation, but I won't go drill it too much. I'm actually liking Jim Shooter's blog. Me too. Uh, that he's it's great. That he's writing, although it's it's kind of funny. I mean, it, it's funny to read a perspective of someone who is never wrong, uh, you know. And it was, I'll give you it was that. Like an, and uh, who kind of, doesn't give a crap? Exactly. I love you know, it. It's it's like an interview I saw with Orson Welles many years ago. It was a fascinating interview because Welles was truly a, a, a brilliant man. But as you sat and listened, the man was never wrong. The man never did anything wrong. You know, it's all everybody else's fault. But anyway, but Shooter's talking about how the late, like you mentioned, how late the books were. But he also mentions how bad the books were. You know, and I'm thinking, and this is, and this Web of 28 is something you were proud of, Jim. I mean, was this, was this bringing back the quality that you envisioned? <laughs> so I just kind of find that kind yeah. of ironic. But it, but it is ironic. You mentioned that because it's uh, he did say that, and, and I am enjoying that that uh, blog very much. So, so jimshooter.com. Jerry, yeah. is this a good month? July '87. Well, it was because I think that I, I I've always been a fan of the marriage. Yeah, I liked it when Peter proposed. It made sense. It fit in with the you know everything. You know, he proposed to the right woman. You know, and uh, it was a, it was a big event in Spider Man. Uh, and uh, so definitely, uh, if you're looking for going in the back issue bins, uh, number 290, 
and plus you can't and you can't go wrong with any of Peter David's Spider-Man stories. Right. So you know this and, this and, uh, and this was a, an example of an A, B, and a C book. Like Amazing exactly. has always been the A book. Uh, Peter Parker has always been like a B book, but it's been acceptable. It's been a, you've had some good stories in there. Web just really has been average to below average always. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Let's do recommendations. What do we got? Let's start off with Zach. Recommendations, uh, sir. Well, uh, my my inner childhood screened with delight that nice. um, the '90s Spider-Man the animated series is now on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So go check that out. Um, I'm going to recommend also a show called Leverage on TNT. It just came back on a couple weeks ago, and I've really been enjoying it. I've I've watched a couple episodes here and there, but uh, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, White Collar, I've, re- I've recommended that show, I think, three or four times. Really good. And um, at Walmart, if you're a guy, and if you're a girl, if you want to buy them too, uh, they actually have different superhero boxer shorts, and uh, they have The Amazing Spider-Man. So nice. in honor of today, I'm wearing my Amazing Spider-Man boxers. <laughs> I did not ever need to know that. Uh, <laughs> no. No, this is this is why this is not a video cast. Uh, <laughs> I, I recommend I, I, you don't look at Zach's boxers. Um, <laughs> up at the ladies' level. Yeah. Oh my God. And by ladies, he means no one. <laughs> oh damn. Damn. Ow. Thanks, damn. Bailey. Bailey just threw a long box at Zach. <laughs> <laughs> was it his couch or his entertainment center? <laughs> it was the Image Entertainment Center. <laughs> Okay, I better stop. Uh, Kevin, what do you recommend this month, buddy? Uh, I got a couple things. Um, first, I actually have a comic book to recommend for once because I got to read a few things yesterday. Um, I've only read the first half of it. There are six issues out so far. I've read three now, but um, Avengers: The Children's Crusade. Oh God, that, which, isn't that a good book? Yeah, and it's it's you know it's Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung, which are the original team from the first Young Avengers uh, book, which was excellent. Finally, getting back together to do the next Young Avengers arc they wanted to do all along. And I mean, I've I've been reading. I'm skipping Fear itself, but before that, I've read every Marvel Universe event for years now. And this is it's not hyped as one, it's not billed as one, it's but this good. is the best Marvel Universe event I've read in years. It's got everything I want from a Marvel Universe event. It's got it's got Avengers, it's got Doctor Doom, it's got Magneto, it's got the whole Magneto family, it's got the young Avengers being badass, it's got Scarlet Witch, it's got great writing, yeah. it's got Scarlet Witch, it's got, you know, ties deep into continuity going all the way back to House of M and before. I mean, it's it's got everything. It's a really, really good Marvel Universe book like we haven't seen in years. Um, it's yeah, it's six issues in. It's a nine issue miniseries, and it's bi monthly, so you still got plenty of time to get into it. I just like got all the back issues while I was home in Louisville, so it is possible. Um, so I would highly recommend that book. Um, oh. And also recommend there's a new show on. I've only seen the two hour pilot. I haven't seen last week's episode yet, but uh, called Falling Skies on TNT. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's produced by Steven Spielberg, stars Noah Wiley and some other people. Noah Wiley from ER. Um, and it's basically like if V hadn't sucked. I exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it might have been this show. Um, I say I've only seen the two-hour pilot, but it was a really promising pilot, and apparently it's doing well because TNT has already renewed it for a second season, um, which is pretty freaking cool for only two episodes in. So I would recommend that. Also, um, two things I've been watching on Netflix. One is I think I recommended this before, but I'm farther into Doctor Who. 
Uh, I finished season one, the Christopher Eskelson season. Loved it. Uh, it got better as it went along. It was just absolutely great. And I'm most of the way through season two now, which is David Tennant's first season. That's also really good stuff. Uh, he's doing a really good job as the Doctor, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. But I'm taking a break from that right now because something just popped up on Netflix a few days ago that I've been wanting to see. What's up? And that is the Stars TV show Camelot. Mm. Um, which stars Ava Grain as Morgan Le Fay and Joseph Fiennes as Merlin. I mean, if you, you don't get a better cast than that. So it's only ten episodes, and sadly it's already been canceled uh, because their cast was too big, so they had other obligations. But it is on it is on Netflix right now. It's only a ten-episode commitment. I've watched the first two, and they're really good. Um, it is only for mature audiences because I think there were like three hardcore sex scenes in the pilot alone. Nice. Um, what was the name of that again? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. But yeah, it's but it's good stuff. Um, so yeah, that's my recommendations for the month. Nice, that's, nice. Stars has become the uh, hey, let's let's show a bunch of movies network. Well, when you get Ava Grant in your show, you can't really help it. Who that's is true. Ava Grant again? Was she in the Bond? Ava film? Green. Uh, she was uh, in Casino Royale. Casino Royale. She, she was in the for a she was time. In Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah, I'm in love with her. I know. Uh, <laughs> her and Hathaway. I, I can't really Ooh, choose. Have, yes. Mr. Bailey, what do you recommend, sir? Uh, I'm going to recommend Green Lantern, Emerald Knights, the animated film. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, it, was a, it was a series of vignettes, basically, kind of like the old tales of the Green Lantern Corps comic book backup that would run in Green Lantern, and they had a couple of annuals. Um, I'm really, really glad they uh, adapted uh, Mogo Doesn't Socialize, which if you know the ending of, it doesn't have as much of an impact, but I would really like to have somebody who doesn't know who Mogo is re- watch that mm. and, 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 and get the surprise at the end. Um, you could really tell without, without uh, seeing credits which chapter was written by Jeff Johns, because it tied into all of his stories. <laughs> um, but what I was most impressed with um, outside of the origin of the Green Lantern, showing who the first Lanterns were, was they did basically a Hong Kong action movie with a Green Lantern twist uh, nice. for one of the stories that was excellent. Nice. Uh, so, and on that uh, is a great documentary about the Green Lantern Corps where Dan DiDio makes a huge blunder, um, <laughs> which is really kind of sad. Well, he's sitting there talking about uh, this great scene from Green Lantern Rebirth where Green Arrow is talking to Hal about, because uh, 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 Green Arrow uses the ring in the series, and he says, it kind of hurt doing that. Does it hurt every time? And Hal said, yeah, and I'm looking at the artwork on the screen and remembering the story and going, I wasn't Hal. I was Kyle. How can you <laughs> screw something like that up? But you know, I don't think it was malicious. Um, I would also recommend the, the, the feature film as well. I enjoyed it. Um, it was a lot of fun for me to see that movie. Uh, There's some plot problems with it, and that little twist at the end where Nick Fury came and uh, tried to recruit Green Lantern for the new Avengers. I was really surprised. (laughs) Really got to stay after the credits to see that, though, folks. Um, No, I I, I liked Oa. I liked Sinestro uh, a lot, actually. And the, the breakout character of that movie was, of all people, Hector Hammond. 
which just surprised the heck out of me that that was the character that I responded to. Um, I will also recommend, I, I had another one. I'm trying to remember what it was. Darn it. Um, I will pre-recommend Batman Year One, the animated movie. The trailer. That looks good. Looks good. So. Cool. And that's pretty much it. Stella, what do you recommend this month? Uh, for my literature recommendation, going with part two of the Millennium Trilogy, The Girl Who Played with Fire by Sig Larson, kind of, uh, picking up where we last left. Elizabeth and Mikhail. Um, as for TV, really been getting into Bones. Love it. Love it. it. It's just so wonderful. I don't know. I love watching it. Um, Kevin, do you like that show? It's got your angel guy in it. No, I tried a few episodes of it, but I just didn't. I didn't really respond to the main character. Yeah. It, all, it also has the girl that wasn't going to pay for the pizzas at the beginning of Spider-Man Two. Oh, uh-huh. wow. I did not know that. That's Spider-Man awesome. reference. I've well, never played. seen yeah. Bones before, Stella. It's on Netflix. Oh, it's on, well, and it's on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. so definitely. Nice. Um, it's also on TNT 16 times a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else you got? It's Law and Order. Um, Movie-wise, I feel like I haven't recommended movies, and it's probably out now. I'm sure it is, but Hana was a really good movie. And the Jane Eyre that recently came out was also really good. I'm thinking about seeing Bridesmaids soon. I, I have, funny. like, a free ticket. Yeah, people have been telling me uh, that, you know, it, it was funny. And here I thought it was just going to be, like, a female version of The Hangover, so why even waste money? But I do have a free ticket, and it, it seems like a lot of people have been enjoying it. So Cool. Anything else? Nope, that's it. Cool. JR, what do you like? Uh, well, I don't know that I like it, but I was—I found it somewhat <laughs> interesting. Uh, I came across it uh, because I'm a frequent visitor to another particular website. But there is a series of uh, webisodes, short webisodes, on something called FutureStates.tv, and they're fairly professionally done. Um, Basically, it's where someone postulates what society will look like in the future based on this. Uh, and, and we get various little scenarios of how the future may, may turn out. And it's not, you know, it's not heavily invested in technology. It's more what these changes may have on effects on society or on individual people. Um, the problem is it is so left-wing that you literally have to tilt your head to the left to be able to watch it um, because it is it's just so, so heavily, heavily politically tilted. Uh, and it is rather sloppy editorially because so many of the scenarios involve climate change. And that's not a statement whatsoever as to whether or not I believe in climate change like a religion or whatever. It's just that, you know, if you're looking at, you know, you've got like ten episodes a year – and someone, you know, and six of them are about global warming. It's kind of like, well, wait, 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 wait. shouldn't we go back and like do something else? Uh, but, but it still is interesting. And there are some that are really, really clever concepts. Uh, I really liked the, I liked the one that, uh, had a different take on outsourcing to India. I thought that was very clever. And then, even though it was a global warming episode, uh, one solution to dealing with global warming I, I thought was actually rather rather intriguing. So, futurestates.tv, it's not for everybody, but, but, you, but uh, you know, it's, you might get some enjoyment out of it. Uh, I would have recommended, if it hadn't been hadn't just happened last night, if this was in the future, I would have recommended American Movie Class 
1976, 70s Rough Justice, showing all of the Dirty oh. Harry films and all of nice. the Death Wish films. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because Dirty, I mean, forgetting the fact that I'm a Law and Order guy and this, this shit is right up my alley, the Dirty <laughs> Harry films at least try to say something and try to be about something and try to you know, take their concepts and say, well, if you take it to this extreme, what are you looking at? Uh, the Death Wish films, on the other hand, are just the friggin' lowest common denominator. <laughs> and, and they're so bad that they're almost enjoyable based on that. The fact that they're just pure garbage. Uh, although the third, never the third seen, one's very fun. The I've never seen Death Wish. I've always wanted to with Charles Bronson, yeah. It's it's one of those things. Just a little bit of history here. Mm -hmm. uh, the first Death Wish movie in the seventies was originally meant to star Jack Lemmon as the vigilante. No, really? Exactly. It was supposed to be Jack Lemmon as the vigilante and Henry Fonda as the policeman who was out looking for him. Which, and I think because the director changed, then the actors bailed out of it. Which would have been interesting. Jack Lemmon as a vigilante. That that would have really because as as the author of the books, the Death Wish book noted. When it's Charles Bronson, you know he's going to kill somebody. You right. know that eventually he's going to kill somebody. There's no mystery. As to, How about, wow, I wonder if Charles Bronson will kill somebody. No, you know he's going to kill somebody. <laughs> How about a real uh, spin on it? Jack Lemmon as Charles Bronson and Walter Matthau as the cop. <laughs> that would be a trip. Grumpy old uh, convicts or, or, or something. Walter, Walter Matthau as the vigilante or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out a way to work in that odd couple line. F you, you know, clean up after yourself. F you, took me <laughs> two days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so that 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 was that that seventies rough justice. I have to kind nice. of recommend in a bizarre in a bizarre kind of way. So those, those are my two for the month. All right, uh, I've got a lot of them since we didn't do. Did we do this last month? I don't think we did. Uh, a book that I cut up on. Uh, that I still really enjoy. I've recommended it before, but I highly recommend it to go out and get it. Avengers Academy. Just a good book. I mean, I love that book. It's now on one of my top 15 to read when I get my box every month. Uh, little, little, um, Spider-Man related info. The, the Sinister Six was just in the book, and it was a lot better than Pirate Zombies Sinister Six. Um, I posted uh, a, a video series on the front page that I really enjoyed. It'll take about an hour to watch all five of these clips. Back in the early 90s, Stan Lee uh, did this video series. When I say video, I'm talking VHS series where you could buy these these tapes, and it was called Comic Stan Lee Comic Creators On, and like Rob Liefeld, Todd McFarlane, etc. But uh, someone bought the VHS tape and cut it up and put it on YouTube, and it's where he interviews the Ramitas, junior and senior. And it's just Stan chatting it up with these two guys at the drawing board, and uh, they talk about how they broke into the industry, and they talked a little bit about Ditko, and I don't think many, not many people commented on the video. I don't know if they've actually watched it, but it's now off of the front page, but if you just go up to the search bar and type in Ramita and Stan Lee, you'll find it right away. Just a great hour of... Spider history in that thing. Uh, I think the Iron Man book with Matt Fraction recently had Doc Ock in it. Granted, he's Vegetable Ock, but it, it went back to the history of when Tony and Otto were young inventors and just early in their careers. And, and you see little fat Otto with these uh, these groupies around him, these 
tall supermodels. And it's just a funny, funny scene. And uh, if you're a Spider fan, I think you'll enjoy the the Doc Ock uh, issues that have come out. I think it's like issue 501 or something around those. Uh, let's see. Let's move on to TV shows, a show that I enjoy. I, I don't think it, many people watch it. Uh, Men of a Certain Age is on TNT. It's got Scott Bakula and Ray Romano in a dramatic kind of role. Uh, it, just a really good show. I DVR it. It's one of my favorites uh, recently. I wish more people would watch it. Also, if you have the channel True TV, this is very, very trashy television I'm about to recommend, called Hardcore Pawn. <laughs> It's about a uh, father and his two kids that own a pawn shop in Detroit. And you've seen... Detroit. Pro- in Detroit. And, and you've probably seen uh, Pawn Stars on History Channel. Well, imagine if Jerry Springer was the producer of Pawn Stars and you would get hardcore pawn. It's just every other word is an F-bomb with the people that come in and just fight with the clientele. Very trashy, but yet very entertaining. <laughs> Uh, Bailey will attest that I've enjoyed, uh, I just completed season three of the Incredible Hulk TV show, and I watched an episode called Equinox that I did not see when I was a kid, but I enjoyed it. Uh, basically, the, uh, it, it, it is the closest Mr. McGee ever gets to getting the Hulk, I think. He, he traps him in a closet. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, Wait, the Hulk is stuck in the closet? <laughs> well, is there R. Kelly music? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Bailey, did you like that episode of Equinox? It was, I just love that, that one. I, I love it because, one, it, it's just another example of the fact that David Banner on that show got more ass than a toilet seat uh, throughout the, <laughs> the, 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 the Seriously, every time he walked into a new town, there was some chick that that wanted to try a little bit of David Banner on. Um, <laughs> he was but, not um, the only man, as they had in the closing theme. Yeah, right now. but it, but it's it, it's it's a very typical episode of the Hulk in that instead of kind of dealing dealing with him trying to cure himself, he's basically come across the most screwed up people on the face of the planet. And this and and it's basically this spoiled little rich girl yep. that wants to keep him there, not because she's really interested in him on any kind of romantic level. It's just he's not saying yes and that's driving her crazy. Yeah. Uh and there is a great scene where one, it's one of the rare episodes where he's the Hulk right at the beginning of the episode. Yep, yep. Um, two, it's really funny because it, this is like the late 70s and early 80s, so kind of like the disco flavor is still in the party scenes. <laughs> exactly. And the Hulk shows up at a costume party, and there's this blonde woman that's just not getting it. That she she thinks he's dressed up for the costume party. Yeah, and but it has this great scene with McGee and David Banner yeah. where David's got a mask on and he's kind of lowering his voice. Um, like <laughs> like uh, Batman Begins or whatever. Well, well, like no, Christian not, Bale. He's not talking like he's trying to come. I have the Hulk. <laughs> um, but, it's, but, it's, but it's a pretty tense scene because yeah. even though you know he's not going to figure it out, you know, you're just like, holy crap! This is really freaking close. So I love that episode. I, the the rich girl part was just uh, window dressing. I, I enjoyed the um, just the confrontation between McGee and Banner. Also, there was one 
this past season because I've watched a whole bunch of them in a row, and the Hulk or Banner is a um, what is he? Uh, he works in a store. He's a store clerk, and these two guys try to rob. Yeah, and he and he joins up. He pretends to join up with them, which makes like the security guard think that he was a scumbag all along. But that's the episode where the Hulk fights a tank. Yeah, he fights a tank, and also he he sees a green mannequin, and he was like, mm, green Yeah, they, they have like romantic God, that was funny. Horn music going on, and he steps. I know. He feels he, he cocks his head, and he takes off his. Sh- he like finishes throwing the shirt on the ground. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh god, this is about to get really uncomfortable. And another good visual scene is when the security guard and the lady and Banner get stuck in an elevator. And Zach comes on and gets his microphone really loud. Now, <laughs> but the guy lights a match, and he was a previous, and it was dark in the elevator, and previously, and he lights a match, and the Hulk lights up the frame of the screen, and the Hulk blows out the match, and you're just like, ah, that's creepy. But but the scene where the Hulk is in the toy department and this little toy tank comes towards him so funny. just had me in stitches because I'm like, they actually had the Hulk fighting a tank. Yay! And one thing I notice as the series progresses, they'll have the ticked-off Hulk smash, and then they'll go to commercial break, and then they'll come back, and it's just Hulk having fun. <laughs> just like he'll he'll bust up some moonshiners, or he'll hit on a green mannequin, etc. But uh, Incredible Hulk is on Netflix if you want to check it out. The Except episode- season five. Except season five, but uh, you don't want to know about season five. I hear it's horrible. I don't even remember it. But look for the episode Equinox. Just very funny. And I forget the name of the episode that was in the uh, the toy store. What was that called, Bailey? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. But I watched season three. Very good stuff. Uh, this one's for Jr. For if you don't have Netflix Jr. now, you should get it. You know why? All why? the Star Trek is on there. Every series except Deep Space Nine. All why? What? Well, why, Deep, why not the best series? Deep Space why, why Nine is coming out uh, in August or September, I think. But <laughs> they've released Star Trek Next Gen, uh, Voyager, and Enterprise. So, Jr., if you don't have Netflix now, would be a good time if you want to well, crack out. Well, the thing is, I already have all of the classic Star Trek episodes on VHS. Yeah. And DVD, <laughs> and have all the movies on VHS or DVD. Why do I need Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's something about sitting and not having to get it off your shelf and put it in the disk drive, I, which is kind of enjoyable, I think. But oh, you know, that's about as lazy as saying here I can't <laughs> go upstairs to the toilet. I'll just crap in a long box here. <laughs> Jr. Bring it all together. <laughs> That would be a lot of Marvel's star comics from the 80s, which would be in the uh, the toilet there. Give me some Rob Roy. Um, also, a couple movies I saw, uh, X-Men First Class. Uh, parts of it I liked. Uh, overall, a good movie, but the, uh, Magneto and Kevin Bacon stole the film for me. I thought they did an outstanding job, both of them. Uh, along the lines of Hardcore Pawn, uh, another trashy movie that is enjoyable because I like to see things blow up and transform. Uh, <laughs> Transformers, Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, better Dark th- of the Moon. Dark Side of the Moon was rejected because of Pink Floyd. What's called Dark of the Moon? It's called Dark of the Moon, yes. That's the actual title. Okay, go see Transformers 3. Uh, it's better than 2. Uh, well, a turd was better than 2. Yeah, 2 was bad. 
this one has a little bit better plot, but not much. It's like F to D. But still, visually, outstanding movie, and the chick is hot. So there you go. Uh, let's move on to our message board questions. Iron Patriot from the Philippines says, Greetings, everyone. To Question to everybody. Who are your favorite actors? My absolute favorite is Mark Hamill. I will watch anything he does, like his appearances on the live-action Flash series, Stanley's greatest creation, Stripperella, and yes, Brad and Mike, The Muppets, where he included some YouTube videos. I remember that Muppet show at the Star Wars mm-hmm. game. Who are our favorite actors? Um, I enjoy Al Pacino. Um, I'll watch uh, Tommy Lee Jones mm-hmm. in just about anything. Yep. Uh, I'll watch him read the phone book. He made Volcano good. <laughs> Sam Jackson's a good actor. I enjoy most everything <laughs> Sam Jackson's in, man. You, you like you like you like Sam Jackson playing the role of Sam Jackson. I do. I mean, it's <laughs> awesome. Al Pacino. I, I I have a lot of Al Pacino movies. I enjoy him. Clint Eastwood always does a good job. How Ray Fiennes. Yeah. Personally, I'm a fan of uh, Ethan Hawke, Anne Hathaway, Ava Green. <laughs> they're, they're gorgeous women. They're also fantastic actresses. There you go. Zach, who do you like? Ava Green and her breasts. <laughs> in a dual role. <laughs> oh. What do you like, Zach? Um, I, you know, back I, I'm a, I love '80s movies, and I love uh, I always love Michael J. Fox and anything. Yeah. Um, I, I like um, uh, I like Tommy Lee Jones because because he's just awesome. My favorite Tommy Lee Jones movie that stay is still uh, between The Fugitive and uh, Men in Black. Lonesome Dove. Yeah, I never, I never watched Lonesome Dove. Everybody's like, you should, but I'm not. Uh, I don't want to be stereotypical. <laughs> Too long. Jared, what's some of your faves? Uh, Clint Eastwood has always been a fave of mine, but uh, the probably the one actor who I would almost watch him do anything in was the uh, late Darren McGavin. Um, he's been, you know, he's obviously being immortalized as the old man in, in A Christmas Story, but uh, us sci-fi horror fans remember him as intrepid reporter Carl Kolschak. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I always, yeah, I always enjoyed McGavin in just about anything he did, and and even though, like for example, I mistakenly once believed that the uh, like the classic Star Trek characters couldn't be done by other actors, which they have been successfully done, I really have a hard time believing that anybody could do Colshack uh, other than Darren McGavin. I forgot to mention one of my favorites is Michael Keaton. I like every, pretty much everything Michael Keaton is. Everything from Mr. Mom. To the Dream Team, a little-known movie that I adore. Have you ever seen the Dream Team, where he escapes a mental institute? Oh, woman, oh, woman, don't you treat me so mean. You're the meanest old woman that I ever did see. I guess if you say so. Mr. Mr. Ray Charles, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you know what? You know, you know, Brad, what you ought yeah. to do is Bailey sings so often on this show, you ought to put together a special podcast of just Bailey singing. You know, like Bailey like sings the hits. You know, like he, and he like he did Les Miserables. He did that bit. You know, he's always singing. So, put together a special podcast of Bailey singing. We'll, we'll cut a CD. Bailey sings. No, awesome. I envision like an infomercial, like Bailey just clips and and the titles scroll up on the screen. Bailey yes. sings Lila Miserables. <laughs> no, actually, well, I think what would be better is to to edit together like a uh, like a bad infomercial type commercial for. You've seen him on the crawl space, and now Bailey sings. <laughs> Cutting in and out of different songs. Nice. Stella, who's some of your favorite actors? Uh, definitely like Kate Blanchett. That's that's really the only person I can think of right now. Yeah. 
To anyone, are there any actors that you think must play a certain comic book character? Me, I would think Neil Patrick Harris playing Wally West and Hannah Hathaway as Lois Lane. Uh, anybody? I don't know. I think there. I always come across some interesting choices for things that surprise me. So I don't think there's necessarily one that has to play somebody. I, I have thought that um, Milo Vitabita, what's his name from <laughs> Heroes, would make a good Kyle Rayner. Milo. Um, what a, what a, what a. I have thought that Ving Rhames would make a great Lex Luthor. Really I'm serious. I, I would really like to see that. Hmm. Kind of different. And not because he's, uh, honestly, it's not because he's black. I mean, he's much more the sort of tough guy than I usually Yeah, he, like he's just got this intensity about him that I think would be very good in the role. Yeah. Uh, to Brad, can you get Josh Keaton or Christopher Daniel Barnes for the Edge of Time show as well? Um, that might be fun. I have no way of getting hold of Christopher Daniel Barnes. I need to email Josh Keaton or Peter David, see if we, that could be possible. Uh, Peter, da- I mentioned on the front page, Peter David's agreed to do another podcast this year promoting uh, the Edge of Time video game. So that'll be fun. But yeah, it would be fun to get the two Spider-Man voices on one show because we've had Josh Keaton by himself before and he's always entertaining. To Mike, that would be a very confusing show. That's true. <laughs> uh, to Mike, what are your opinions on Paul Denny? Is that how you say it? Diney or Denny? 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 Uh, I don't know. Denny. <clears throat> he is my favorite Joker writer and my favorite writer in general. Also, I miss views. That hasn't been gone that long. Um, I I really like Paul Dini. I think he is he wrote definitely the better episodes of Batman the Animated Series. I really enjoyed his detective run because I felt like I was watching a little more adult version of the Batman Animated Series. Um, he definitely has a great handle on the Joker. Uh, the only thing that I think at this point might be kind of a cliche with him is his constant use of Zatanna. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know he likes the character and I know he married her. Uh, but I'm just, I, I don't, it's, it's like the chill of the night episode of Brave and the Bold had Zatanna in it. <laughs> and I was just like, oh man, <laughs> this really need to happen. What happened to views? He says he misses it. I'm just not consistent. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. To Kevin, you wouldn't believe this nightmare but I ha- that I had recently. Brad is going to buy a DC comic written by Jeff freaking Johns that you're not buying. Crazy, right? Freaking crazy, yeah. I would, I would agree with that. But, that actually uh, but... isn't a nightmare. It's actually happening. Yeah. I'm ordering I... Justice League, and you're not. I'm not actually ordering any of the... John's books in September, which I think will be the first time I've not ordered a John's book in years. Explain that, because you have a Jeff John's podcast, <laughs> and you uh, love not, him. Yeah, not so much anymore do I have a Jeff John's podcast. <laughs> you burned um, the place down? What happened? <laughs> well, I mean, I I put it on indefinite hiatus when I came out to Hollywood because I just didn't have the, the means to do it. You know, out here, especially I don't have my back issues being a big thing. Um, and then I came back, I figured I really wanted to talk about the DC relaunch. And I really wanted to talk to Mike and Stella, so I got them on. Um, I figured, hell, I've got a podcast. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it there. So I did that, but uh, even then, I think I said in the last episode that that's probably going to be the last episode of the Jeff Johns podcast because my heart's not in it anymore. I'm, I'm not interested in the new DCU at all. I freaking hate the idea. I don't want any part of it. And 
his flagship book is going to be Justice League. He's writing basically the spine of the new DCU, representing all the stuff I don't want. Um, Aquaman I don't give a rat's ass about, and I, I read all 24 issues, 25 issues of Brightest Day and never came to give a rat's ass. Um, and that was written by Jeff Johns. And then you have Green Lantern, and I'm burnt out. On the same story that has been being told with the, G- the Green Lantern franchise since 2005, and even though they're rebooting to a new number one, Green Lantern is staying with the same thing. And I'm even not really enjoying War of the Green Lanterns all that much. I think I think in the future I will go back and collect this stuff and read it, but for right now I am burned out on this whole story. And I've kind of lost my faith in Jeff Johns with him being such a architect of this new DCU fiasco, and I just... I don't like it. I don't, I don't want to be there anymore. Did Kevin, you... I would like to invite you to the table. Thanks for finally <laughs> joining the club. <laughs> yeah. Pull up uh, a few long that. boxes. We'll eat off of them. <laughs> <laughs> to JR, which goblin stories do you feel are overrated other than the child within? On the flip side, what goblin stories do you think are underrated? Um, actually, believe it or not, I've always believed that the death of Gwen Stacy uh, is an overrated story. Um, because even though obviously it's a momentous uh, event, I mean I think it's very poorly paced. Uh, and actually, I think Jerry Jerry Conway actually agrees to that. He places some of the blame on uh, Gil Kane uh, when because uh, uh, Jerry I believe submitted the kind of the core plot outline and and Kane kind of. I forget exactly, but he paced it differently than Conway had written it, and therefore Conway was kind of compelled to condense certain things, whatever. But it's not, I mean, for such a momentous story, it actually doesn't come across very momentous. Uh, And it's, I know, I don't, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of time to explain it, but, you know, for Gwen dying and for her and Peter never to have a a last moment, or for Gwen to not even know what's happening to her or why it's happening to her, and, and, you know, obviously the, uh, you know, the, uh, over 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 characters the Norman Osborn characterization of being nothing more than a cackling madman. It's not really that good of a story. Uh, um, underrated stories. Um, I don't know that it's underrated, but it's just one of my favorites that doesn't really get a lot of attention because it didn't happen during the regular Amazing Run. It happened like it was first printed in the uh, now def- the defunct magazine and then reprinted in a shorter version in an annual. But the um, the story, the Goblin and, and, and Spider-Man story that first appeared in Spectacular Spider-Man magazine number two, then was reprinted in annual yep. number nine. I love that one. I mean, for, yeah. it's the, the one that I've got. It's 48 pages, but it's like half the story before you goes by before you see either Spider-Man or the Green Goblin. Basically, it's 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 Peter and Norman kind of slowly coming together and then doing this little dance around each other, uh, which is partly dramatized in the uh, cartoon series. Uh, and then, you know, midway, uh, all hell breaks loose and they, and they start going after each other. That that one, I think, is an under a very good and underappreciated Goblin story. I read that one in the late 80s when they put out these Spider-Man digests, and they're in the shape of Archie digests. Mm-hmm. And that's that the first time I read that was in that form, and I just love that thing. Uh, also, JR, you love the one where... Uh, isn't Norm? It was in Peter Parker's Spe- Spider-Man that Norman buys the bugle or something, or is there's a spectacular Spider-Man two forty-nine. Well, yeah. no, and there's one, one where so, he he the uh, goblins in the sky or something like that. The cover, it's a Romita cover, and 
Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's 250. 250, yeah, it's 250. okay. You yeah, love that one. Yeah, I like that one. I mean, it's not really a Green Goblin story, though. I mean, yeah. it, but it's Citizen Os- It's called Citizen Osborne, and that's where kind of Norman, you know, tells the world he's back, you know, and uh, yeah. and. And, and that's where it kind of like, you know, Bailey was saying, you know, Spider-Man's so stunned that Martin Lee, this quote-unquote benevolent businessman, is an evil villain. It's like, oh, wait a minute, you know, don't you know another successful <laughs> businessman that put on a dog and pony show and he was really a monstrous scumbag? Please. Yeah. Are you picking up the Avengers issue with Norman coming back? Probably. Yeah. Uh, to Stella, what do you think of the character of Harley Quinn? Are you offended by her? Do you feel sympathy or do you just not care about her? Um... Well, I don't know why I'd be offended by her. I was trying yeah, to... The new slutty version. Yeah, Arkham yeah I version. wonder if we're talking, like... I mean, I enjoyed the, the animated series, Harley Quinn. I thought that she was fun, and it was nice that she was brought from that universe into the comics. And then it was great when they, they went through her backstory and we kind of saw how she was created. Where You know, the Joker and sympathy for him, you know, almost created her. So uh, I, I like the character, whether or not she needs to be wearing what she's wearing and if she's going to be a good team member on the Suicide Squad, who knows? Oh, I didn't know she was joining that. Uh, let's see. To Zach, if tomorrow you woke up and you were Betty Brant, what would you do? Uh, Not I would... for Tony's house, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, if I went to Tony's house, he'd come out with he'd come out with a shotgun like Vin Gonzalez style or uh, Michelle Gonzalez style. Yeah. Um, you know, I would I would go burn uh, Peter's apartment down because he's not giving me proper proper attention because uh, that's you know, but he's done that before. <laughs> you want to watch Betty? Uh, she's in the Venom series a lot. Yeah, you know, not I'd, doing uh, much. Gonna, I'll go hang out with Flash and, and be like, Oh, Flash, where are you? <laughs> Why are you leaving all the time? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, thanks a lot, guys. Oh, and please support DC's Blue Beetle series beginning this September. Mike, I hope you forgave him for taking Ted's role. What does that mean, Michael? Uh, just, I, I've never actually had anything against Jaime Reyes. I just really dislike the fact that they killed Ted Cord. Okay. So. Uh, TNR 105 from the Negative Zone. BD, are you interested in the plot for Spider-Man Triple X, or do you just want to punish Zach? <laughs> There is Both. a plot. There's a plot for. Okay. Both. Okay. I, I'll, I'll share with the podcast. We had this on a chat a while back with Joel. And are, who's drinking heavily? My God. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're doing yeah. this. Anyway, Zach is going to San Diego. He's a reporter for the Crawl Space. He has a pro- press pass and everything. They're having a a um, uh, panel for the Spider-Man Triple X movie. I want Zach to go up and say. Hi, I'm uh, Peter Porker from the Spider-Man Crawl Space, and I have a question for the panel. <laughs> I just think that would be hilarious at a Spider-Man porn thing. Okay. Yeah, Peter Porker. Um, uh, Peter Porker, yes. Anyway, I think that'll be funny. <laughs> Porker takes on a whole different meaning at a porn show. Uh, yeah, by, by the way, I, wa- I tried to watch the trailer just for grins, and he uh, gave me some malicious software, so there's a... Uh... <laughs> No, seriously. I actually you had that a virus a euphemism video. No, there's not a euphemism. That actually I literally happened. I tried to watch it, and then suddenly this crap. Wait a second. Wait a second. You watch something involving porn on your computer, and you got malicious software. How does this happen in this world today? <laughs> it was from YouTube. It was the... Uh, you can the, get viruses bad from YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Kevin, 
What made you reintroduce Mayday into the crawl space around Spider-Girl age rather than a baby since you said many times you couldn't get it into Spider-Girl? Um, I know it's it's incredibly cheap to say um, you need to read the story when I have refused to write the fucking story for like a year. <laughs> so I apologize for that. But um, <laughs> I, I really I really can't can't answer that question without you know screwing everything up. Um, I will say you will know you will know why within the three part story that I swear to God I will eventually someday write and put out on the internet. Yeah, he um, doesn't want he doesn't want to spoil it because he doesn't want to incur my wrath. For spoiling. <laughs> uh, but also, it's the reason I couldn't get into Spider Girl wasn't the character uh, or the idea. It was mostly just the the writing style, uh, which yeah. is nothing against Tom DeFalco. He's just got a writing style that. Uh, is is more from a couple decades ago that doesn't really appeal to me that much, but it was it was never the character. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Zach, how does it make you feel that on Wikipedia Anya Aranya Anus <laughs> is listed as a member of the Spider Family, but Mayday is not? That just doesn't surprise me. Um, the reason why it doesn't surprise me is because. If Marvel has got people going in and editing Wikipedia, then obviously they don't, they're trying to, you know, wipe out the existence of Mayday Parker because that's been their crusade for, oh, I don't know, the last year. So, you know, it, I can go in there, I can go in there and make that edit and it'd be there, but I get it. I, I know G- what I do. JR, we've gotten Michael Bailey into the uh, Crawl Space Fight Club. What do you have to do to unleash your bloodlust? Well, I think, <laughs> I think you played it. I think you and I fought each other, didn't we? Weren't we the you the Hulk? I thought. I I only played it once because then another person kept insisting, you know, or actually tricked me into playing it. But you know, um, I have a wife and two kids to unleash my bloodlust on. I don't need Fight Club. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> Again, if you're not familiar with Fight Club, go into the Crawl Space message board. It's where you can pit two characters against each other. It's a lot of fun. Even though I'm like over three and I just don't play anymore because I get my ass kicked every time. Didn't I? Didn't I at one point fight Superman against Spider-Man or who did I fight against? It was no, it was Joe Fixit versus Smallville Clark Kent, and I lost. And I <laughs> yes, you did. And, and oh, it was you. You were my opponent. You bastard. Uh-huh. Uh, it was, <laughs> I think me, Bailey, and one other person. I think we've all been. It's all been admins because it was George yeah. Bailey and me that that fought you, and we I, all three I, won. I can't win. Stella, overall, how was your first year of teaching? Um, overall, that it's tough for me to say. It was very up and down experience. Um, it it ranged from the third ring or so of hell to <laughs> to moderately good. So, I mean, teaching in general is tough. First year's always tough for any sort of profession, and there were some things that were stacked against me as well that made it tough as well. So, I'm looking forward to. Um, starting off more prepared and and with with other issues away and everything. And AP wise, I had three fives, which is the highest score that you can get. Three threes and two twos. So I'm happy at least with that uh, production. So I feel like I at least did my job to a certain extent. Michael, with Batman Arkham City on the horizon, how would you do a Superman video game? What would you personally like to see out of it? I'd, I'd like to take elements from the Superman Returns game and kind of improve them because there was <laughs> there was some suck. yeah the, 
The thing about a Superman game, and, and I think the Hulk has the same problem, is that what you have, to, I think what game designers have to realize is you, you can't have Superman get hurt by simple things mm. like gunfire. It yeah. shouldn't affect it. So what you need to focus on is, one, your boss battles have to have the classic villains and have to be pretty epic. But when you're actually in gameplay, uh, I think until you get to the boss battle, a free-roaming type system where you have to accomplish something in a certain time period, but don't make the gameplay overly complicated. Like, if you have to battle tornadoes, don't do it with heat vision, because that's really stupid. <laughs> what, 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 was that part of the previous video game? Yes, it was, it was. Superman Returns. It's like the first thing you have to do wow. is use heat vision to... Well, no, stopping tornadoes was the end of the game. You had to, to pinpoint missiles in the air, but the, the controls were were pants. They, they sucked. Oh. So... <laughs> So, you know, if, if you have to, if there's five bombs in the city and you have to super speed around, well, you do that until you figure out the fastest way to get to the bombs. And I think that would be enjoyable. Plus, have a really solid story to go with it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, have you ever played that? I think it's a Nintendo 64 Superman game based on the animated series. It's That like is like an Internet favorite of getting picked on, I think. Uh, no, and I'm, I'm kind of glad now, but uh, it's awful. The, the closest they've gotten to a truly great Superman game uh, was Superman Shadow of Apocalypse, which came out for the PS2. It had all the voice cast from the animated series. You got to burn Livewire with your heat vision, which to me was great because I freaking hate Livewire. Um, <laughs> And it was just, it was a fun game to play. Mm-hmm. The only problem is that your your final boss battle w- was not Darkseid. And if I see Apocalypse yeah. in the who, name of the game... Who is the final boss? You fought Metallo again. Okay. It was just like, really? I get all the way here to fight somebody I fought earlier in the game. Did Thanks you, a lot. That sucks. Uh, did you ever play the Atari Superman game? Um, where you run around and go into the phone booth and then get out of the phone yep. booth and then go to the phone booth. and I have never played the Nintendo version because Sears always lied and said it had it when it didn't. Uh, <laughs> but apparently you are given your directives by the Statue of Liberty. Oh, wow. Uh, which was really all weird right. to see. Poor Superman. He hasn't had a good game. Uh, to all, is 2011 going to outdo 2008 as the year of the geek? In 2008, we had Iron Man, Hulk, Dark Knight, Punisher Warzone, which was horrible. Uh, in 2012, we're getting The Amazing Spider-Man, Man of Steel, Dark Knight Rises, The Avengers, The Wolverine, and Ghost Rider 2. Going to be a hell of a year. Well, I'm, I'm kind of curious if we are going to get Ghost Rider 2 and The Wolverine, because I think those are going to be... Wolverine still, they, they haven't even started filming yet. Ghost Rider 2 has been filming, so I think that's coming out. Is this going to have Nick Cage again? Yeah. Please tell me. Oh, yep, God. yep, and... With his uh, fake Texas accent, which made me want to strangle uh, somebody. We're going to have a reboot written by David Goyer, though, so it should be better. And, but and it's, it's, it's going to have gonna, one thing in that, that doesn't make a lick of sense, though, because Goyer throws that into every script he writes. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's the, uh, the 90s Ghost Riders? Uh, David Ketch. Yeah, David Ketch. Danny, Danny Ketch. Ketch. Danny Ketch. He's going to be in it, too. What? Really? Yeah. Do we know who's playing him? Uh, I don't know, but 
that was evidently. I think it's like his son or something like that. So it's kind of oh weird. hell no. That's what I think it is. Maybe tell I, me I, no. I could be wrong, but Google hey, that. Hey, hey, Kevin, if there's a yeah. panel at San Diego, I'll go watch and give you the scoop. <laughs> Appreciate it, brother. But I, 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 I swear I saw like the Danny Ketch was going to be on it. Berserk Fury from the Seven Kingdoms. BD, you mentioned that you're going to pick up some DC new titles. Which ones have you grabbed? Have grabbed your interest? Okay, I'm buying Justice League, uh, Detective, Batman, and Batman. What's the one by um, Finch? What's that one called? Batman the Dark Knight. Batman the Dark Knight. So three ba- is basically Batman the Dark Knight number six because he's not <laughs> been able to get that series out. <laughs> so I'm buying three Batman titles. I'm buying Action and Superman, and I'm buying Batgirl. But and you Justice won't buy Nightwing no matter how much I want you to. No, <laughs> uh, no interest, dog. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Jr. Who has the harder forehead, Worf or Nancy Pelosi? <laughs> Well, Today's neither one, neither one of them is really close to when my wife and daughter get in an argument. You will not see you will not see two of the harder of, of any harder heads clash than those two. What is it about mothers and daughters that fight so much? I but, have no idea, but, but it's like Jared, Katie bar the door. Oh, yeah, I was about to say my wife and her mother-in-law have made an Olympic sport at this point. Oh. So, I, 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 there's so I don't know. Stella, can you answer that? Why are mothers and daughters why do they fight so much? It's, well, I guess, I mean, I mean, it's I, very. I, I think <laughs> it's a very general generalization, but yeah, and I guess it, it, you know, it depends on the personalities. For one thing, I think hormones have something to do with it, and there's just something with girls in general that guys will just. I mean, there may be an issue, and this is something that I, I see all the time, you know with middle schoolers you know guys there will be something and then they'll be really angry about it and then they'll be fine and be hugging it out but girls they just they they, hold on to it they do and it's just i think it really has to do with hormones and and i think it also has to do with the fact that it's socially acceptable really for two guys to go beat the crap out of each other if they really have a problem and then they'll go off and have a beer and i mean if two women start fighting you know either it's going to disturb people or a bunch of guys are going to think it's hot. So it's really not fair. I don't think it's hot because I I hate the hair pulling and everything. I just think it's hard to watch. I don't get it. From my perspective, what I don't get is when I was a kid – you know, my old, I was afraid of my old man, so I didn't yeah. relish getting any kind of a fight with my with him. Mm-hmm. And if it looked like we were going to have a fight, I either you know I either surrendered or took my tail in between my legs and hid from him. <laughs> Women, they, they don't seem to have that. They almost seem to relish yeah. the confrontation. So you know, I don't know. Very strange. We got a little off topic there, but that's funny. Uh, well, I, I thought I thought that the, the I thought that the diversion was far better than the original. I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. Actually, Kevin, how weird is it that Captain America has been taken out of the title in South Korea and North Korea? What is he? What's the movie called? The First Avenger. I guess that's what it's called. And know. we're off mute. Uh, yeah, that it's just it's just going to be the First Avenger and. Um, Basically, the Marvel gave every country in the world the option to take Captain America out of the title, uh, and the only Fine. three countries that decided to do that were Russia, the Ukraine, and South Korea. Um, and as I think it was FSU Spider Fan that pointed out on our message board, gee, I'm glad we still have so many of our soldiers protecting their damn border. Um, Gosh, I don't. It, it is weird to me. In North Korea, I could see why they would not want to advertise Captain America and not think that would make money, but South Korea. 
I, hmm, maybe I don't know I don't the geopolitics well enough. I don't think North Koreans actually can watch movies. I think they're too busy, you know, enslaved labor camps. What's he called in the damn film? Is he not called Cap? Captain America? No, he's going to be called Captain America, and he's going to oh. wear the flag, and apparently they just think that they're going to trick audiences into the movie. That's so dumb. <laughs> That's so I dumb. don't know. It's and, and the Ukraine. Like, Russia, okay, Russia's like our classic Bond villain enemy. Yeah. And and South Korea, we've already addressed what the hell, but where did Ukraine come from out of all the countries in the world? Not Iran, not Iraq, Ukraine? Well, uh, again, I would say getting to see a movie in Iran is pretty hard, but... Um, yeah, good point. And uh, actually, the article that said about this did mention that um, it may not be screened in China at all, because apparently China has a policy that they only screen 20 foreign films in the country per year, so it's not decided whether Captain America would actually play there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mike, congrats on four years of views from Longbox. What's the better hair metal band, Motley Crue or Twisted Sister? I think makeup-wise, uh, Motley Crue is a lot better. Uh, and I think as, as far as having a metal sound, Motley Crue's better because Twisted Sister is great, but it, it kind of has a thinner sound to it than Motley Crue did. Uh, lead singer wise, Dee Snyder is a classically trained vocalist and can really freaking sing. So that's the only way Twisted Sister comes out on top. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Stella, what female superhero do you think could make a good movie? Um, well, I'm excited about Wonder Woman, but I'm also really scared that it's going to be really messed up. Um, so, I'm, I, you know, I guess we'll see. Supergirl, you know, I, it's been a long time since the, the one in the 70s. Or was that 80s, Michael? That, that was 1984. Okay, sorry. And, uh, you know, it was before my time. Oh, Ms. man, Marvel. do I feel it's, it's okay. Yeah, I was God. just about to say, it just made me feel really old. God. Remember it was only two years before my time, if that makes if it makes <laughs> it better. Uh, Ms. Marvel, I think, would be fun. It'd be neat to have a spinoff Jean Grey movie. Well, she's dead now. How would you do that? But it would be it would still be kind of fun, I think, to see her and uh, and Power Girl. But, you know, who knows if her tatas would make it rated R <laughs> right away. You know? Wow. <laughs> Who could play Power Girl besides Pamela Anderson? I, uh, Christina I Hendricks? Yeah, there you go. Uh, Zach, what would be the funniest way to have Aunt May die? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this question, and I, uh, I I went to my 101 Ways to End the Clone Saga for inspiration. Um <laughs> There's actually a panel in the 101 Ways to End the Clone Saga where they said, uh, we're, during Onslaught, we'll just have Ben get squashed. So have a Sentinel boot smasher to smithereens. That would be, oh. I think that would be a good way to die. <laughs> For go. her to die. I hate that. I hate okay. that Maybe Galactus can step on her. There you go. <laughs> that would be kind of poetic justice. Everyone confess, who saw Green Lantern? I did. I, I have did? I have not. Did you like it, Stella? Uh, my least favorite of the three that have come out. Yeah. Uh, I did Too see bad. it at midnight, and I spent $12. Was it worth that $12? No. And Zach, I mean, uh, Kev, you didn't like it, and you love GL. Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I think it blew, <laughs> which is kind of sad. But like, I'm I, when I walked out of the theater, I was like, well, I disagree with every choice they made, but it was still entertaining enough as a stupid popcorn flick. But no, the, the more I think about it, as time passes, the more I'm I'm actually angry at it for 
And I feel so all up so badly. I feel so sorry for you because if they screwed up Spider-Man back in 2002, I would be so mad. <laughs> Granted, they screwed up the Goblin costume, but it was a good movie. They got well, it. just like every character, every motivation, um, and even Hal Jordan was like the most ineffective superhero in film history. How do you sit there and let a, a United States senator get flash fried when all you've got to do is throw up a shield with a thought? <laughs> I mean, he let all kinds of people get killed by parallax, even just on Earth, before he before he got his ass out there and started doing anything about it. I mean, he was terribly ineffective. Yeah. Uh, he was. They didn't get the character right at all. The fact that he just walked off. Oh, like I can't do this. Oh, bull. That is not Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan is pig-headed, stubborn. If you come at him, he might not be able to do it, but he's going to try to show you he can. I, I, I think the main problem is that they they cast Ryan Reynolds, and Ryan Reynolds has two acting moves. Um, <laughs> he he's funny, or he sits there with that kind of hangdog expression on his face and feels sorry for himself, and. Where the film worked was mostly in the Oa sequences and, and how Oa looked and how the core was set up and everything. It's just like everything in that film, as much as I enjoyed it, was, was everything was more interesting than the main character. Well, and it wasn't just I – mean, Ryan Reynolds was part of the big problem for Hal Jordan that, and a complete misunderstanding of the character to begin with, but – then you have, uh, like, Sinestro. Mark Strong is a fantastic Sinestro, but they, they wrote him so cheaply. I mean, Sinestro has a, a great character arc, a great fall from grace in the comics, and they, they boiled it down to put on yellow rings, be corrupted by fear, and done. It's, the, the whole thing okay. just took... Well, I'd argue out. that he has a great fall from grace in the comics but that's a discussion for another time <laughs> so I've, I've, I've as I'm recording this I have uh, CNN on right now and I just I, I've got it on mute and I just saw that the the graphic at the bottom said superhero pub crawl evidently these people dressed up in superhero outfits are going on a bar hop <laughs> and it made the national news <laughs> I don't know why it's a I, Sunday. It's a slow news day. I Brad. may it's have to look on CNN.com what the superhero pub crawl was. It sounds like a great miniseries. <laughs> you got Logan, Deadpool, Ben Grimm, Spidey, Ben, Grimm. ben Superman. Yeah. Superman. Superman. Superman from Superman 3, where he just starts throwing him back in the dark suit. And we'll wrap up our second show of the month right there. We have one more coming out in July. But before we go, I want to thank our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com, for helping us pay the bills. Another example of the great prices is on the Art of Spider-Man Classics hardcover. This one features some of the best iconic Spider-Man shots over the last nearly 50 years. Also, it has sketches, character designs from the Marvel Vault, along with commentary from the creators who designed them. The cover price on the book is 50 bucks. Mail order has it for just $30.99, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. For the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com, I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas.